really about young people walking with God. Uh, all of us in this room will face some type of pressure, and they'll be different than the ones that Lance and Ruthie and Daniel faced, but nonetheless pressure. And today we're going to see a story of how Daniel practiced something called spiritual revolt. Sometimes we hear about a failed coup or a government takeover in some country. Sort of reminds me about a little-known fact about Adolf Hitler, who definitely knew how to take over countries. But in 1923, as a very young man and as a leader of the budding Nazi party, he stormed upon a what is referred to as a beer hall where the triumphant leadership of Germany at that time were giving speeches. The head of state police, the head of the military, and a political leader. And he had 600 armed men that, that were outside of the beer hall, and he went in firing his gun into the air, made his way to the podium and said, Men, the revolution has just begun. And let them know that there were armed guards waiting outside of the large hall. And he captured the triumphant leadership of Germany, took them in a back room, and at the end of a revolver, asked them if they would join his new government. They acquiesced for the moment, but when Hitler left the scene to deal with an outside skirmish, the three leaders of the country were whisked away and began making plans to combat this new revolution. Well, it happened the next day as hundreds of men marched with Adolf Hitler in the streets of Munich to claim their new government, their new revolution. They were stood up to by the state police and were defeated and several were killed and Adolf Hitler was injured and then ultimately arrested and tried and it sort of became his first national and international exposure before he successfully tried a coup in a few years. Now, though government coups and revolts come and go and some are successful and some are not, there are occasional times where we try our spiritual revolt and say, I'm done living like the world, but just like Hitler, we don't think things through or not prepared for the pushback and then we cave. But today we're going to see a great example of how to practice successful spiritual revolt. Last week we noted that Daniel and at least three other Hebrew young men were captured and taken into the court of King Nebuchadnezzar. They were the best and the brightest and were asked to learn the language, the culture, the literature, were given new names, and they were given Babylonian food. Well, they said, yes, 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 yes. But when it came time to the sumptuous hunks of meat set in front of them, Daniel said no. <laughs> we might wonder why he drew the line there, but the basic answer is because it violated the law of the Lord given in the Old Testament about food. This food had been sacrificed to idols or it might have been contraband food or the meat had, or the blood had not been properly drained. Regardless, this was against this was prohibited in the word of God for him. Now, we note in verse 8 a powerful response by Daniel where we find these words. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, the first thing we note is the word resolved. He was resolved. It means a firm 
decision beforehand. It means that he purposed in his heart that this is what I'm going to do. So the first principle you see on your outline this morning about practicing spiritual revolt is number one, is that to decide in advance to obey God. We don't decide on the spur of the moment. We have already resolved by the power of God in advance to walk with God. Now, there's a few principles underneath number one that can spur us on to greater fulfillment of this principle. And the first one is A, and that's to practice faithfulness in the small things. Can't you imagine Daniel's dinner neighbor kind of shrugging his shoulder and saying, hey, what's the big deal, Dan? This is just meat. You've never tasted meat this good, but dig in. Don't sweat the small stuff. Daniel, the wheels of his mind could have turned a little bit and could said, you know what, that's true. It's just meat and never had bacon before. This, uh, this could be good. You know, there, there could have been all kinds, and he could have been justified, this really is a small thing. But sometimes in the name of calling everything legalism, we begin to rationalize, quote, small stuff. And there becomes a long series of compromises until pretty soon we're not even walking with God in the, quote, big stuff. So much of the course of our spiritual life is determined by faithfulness in the small things that we allow our eyes to see, that we allow to come through our brain, that we allow our mouths to participate in and allow our feet to take us somewhere that may not be, quote, really bad, but it's faithfulness in the small things that sets the course of our spiritual life. Be another principle that helps us in deciding in advance to obey God is to avoid taking the easy way out. It would have been easy for Daniel to say, no, I'm not going to make a fuss over this little meat thing. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, roll with the, go with the flow here and I'll be okay. But oftentimes in efforts to take the easy way out, we wreck our spiritual life. It's sort of second nature for us to look for the easy way out. The other day, I did that at Walmart. I was looking for the smallest line, wanted to take the easy way out, and I found a small line. Little did I know that I got in the line of a lady who won the international competition for slow checking out. (laughs) Whenever we seek to take the easy way out, we often pay. Don't take the easy way out, but go with God on the hard way through. Because it's the hard way through where God built his character in us. A third principle under number one that would see on your outline is simply this, to make choices that you can live with tomorrow. That's what Daniel did. He he made a choice that he could live with in the future because he was faithful to his God. Over the Christmas break, I took my boys and my niece and nephew to the cowboy game, and uh, refunds were not available at the end of the game. But uh, what happened was at the fourth quarter, now we're standing here, we didn't actually, I didn't have seats at the Cowboy game, I bought the cheap place for us all to stand and basically watch a Jumbotron. We weren't actually at the Cowboys game technically in that sense, but we were there inside. But it was crowded with all kinds of excited fans, and if you heard about the game in the fourth quarter, they made a comeback and Des Bryant scored a touchdown that could set us up for a tie and uh, hopefully to go into overtime and as soon as he did that one of my sons tapped me on the shoulder and showed me a gentleman who was just a wee bit excited about what was going on and he reached in his wallet and he took out a bunch of dollar bills and he made it rain and he threw up money everywhere and and my son was about to go and he's pro-life himself and decided not to risk his life and the people that were trampling 
because nobody cared about football around there for, for just a moment. They were gathering money as quick as they could. But, you know, if you know the rest of the awful story, um, one interception later, the hopes were faded. Now, it may have been quite a thrill for Mr. Big Bucks for a moment to be so excited about the Cowboys and so excited about his money that, boom, it was an enjoyable moment. But I, not, it wasn't just tomorrow that he felt pretty silly. It was a few minutes later when 90,000 angry Texans stormed out of Cowboy Stadium, mad as a hornet of the awful loss. Now, here's the thing. I remember looking at someone's mirror one time where I was visiting their house and said, can I live tomorrow with the decisions I'm making today? And, and oftentimes our tomorrows are so thwarted and so... Um, they're so maimed by the decisions that we make today. And Daniel, part of his resolve was, I want to be able to know that I could look God in the face and know that he is pleased with me. And his tomorrows were so enhanced by the wise choices of today. Now, God had Daniel's back. And in verse 9, we note this, that now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. If you want an inactive God that sits around in the background and waits for us to make all the move until we make a real mess, that's not the God of the Bible. He was engineering circumstances for his plan. Now, no, note, some of you look at verse 9 and say, well, don't I have the final say? Isn't my will the ultimate? We see a pattern in Scripture of God influencing our will and the will of leaders to accomplish something great. God caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. This does not mean that God makes all our decisions, nor does it not mean that God is held responsible for our boneheaded decisions, but it does show a principle of, yes, though we have free agency, God is an influencer of others. And so, uh, number two, we must trust God's inner working, A, First of all, in others. You're not a victim of the tyranny of someone's decisions because God, we can trust God to work in their hearts for God's purposes and God's glory. We see God doing this with Moses. And uh, God is, tells the trembling Moses in Exodus 3.21 that I'll cause the Egyptians to respond favorably to you. That God gave favor to Moses, even though it was a very difficult ask when he asked Pharaoh to let his people go. We see the same principle happening in verses like Proverbs 21, verse 1, that says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he directs it like a water course wherever he wills. God also is at work. We can trust God for his work. Be in you, and that God is at work in us, and without his inner working in us, we would have no progress in the spiritual life when you feel yourself compromising and caving in again and again quote verses like philippians chapter 2 13 that says it is god who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure and so ask the lord lord work within me to will and to act in a way that honors you now i like daniel's approach sometimes when we hold truth so tightly it affects our attitude and tinges us with arrogance rather than the humility that it should bring and in verse 8 he asked for permission not to defile himself and he puts in verse 10 the official Aspheneth in a very difficult situation because now 
this official realizes that Nebuchadnezzar is going to ask, did I feed these men the royal food? And if they look sick or weak or they're not full of all the right nutrients and strong, I'm on the chopping block for this. And so in verse 11 through 14, Dave, Daniel graciously has an idea he presents. And basically it involves verse 12. He says, please test your servant for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. You know, when Daniel had a firm conviction, and when he was resolved, he didn't burn down a building, he didn't pitch a fit, he didn't get in King Nebuchadnezzar's face for one last word before the armed guards came and take him to the gallows. He graciously held firm to his truth. And that's the third principle for us this morning, is this, to be gracious while you stand firm. This is a good word for parents as we stand firm to love and encourage and teach our children to be gracious and not filled with wrath and anger as we stand firm. This is a great word for us as workers and co-workers and employees and employers, yes, to stand firm on matters of principle, but to do it with graciousness for people that you might be in conflict with in your world, in your family, and, and maybe folks you interact with, while you have to draw a line to do it with firmness, but to do it with humility and graciousness like the Spirit of Christ does and sets an example for us now the problem with verses 15 through 20 is that there is a great ending and sometimes when such a great ending happens we can be tempted to think that the principle is this if you obey God things start working out great for you the problem is Dan in Daniel's own situation when he obeys God he's thrown into a lion's den and when the three Hebrew boys obey God they're thrown into a fiery furnace and so circumstantially things don't always work great just because we have obeyed God but we do see that God has Daniel's back and that Daniel was expectant of God to be faithful and to give him great results even if if the results did not mean that circumstances would be wonderful and so the fourth principle for us today is simply this to be expectant of God to bring great results Verse 15 says, at the end of 10 days, they, were look, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. And so the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. I'm sure this didn't make Daniel instantly popular with all of the meat eaters in the group. But something it did is it gave Daniel and the Hebrew youth an opportunity to be influencers for the Lord it gave them chances to raise the flag of their faith in a pagan world and that's something that God will do when you honor him when you're resolved to do the right thing you can be confident that God will use you and maybe the way the great result he's going to give you in your life is simply a greater harvest of inner character and a wider opportunity for you to be used of the Lord but regardless you can look up to the heavens and know that God will reward honor and bless you when you're resolved to obey him I want to point out one last thing that we're going to see again and again in Daniel and that is the Godward focus you know we tend to speak think and act manwardly and in a man-centered way but Daniel and many passages in the scripture remind us to break out of that mold where everything is about us and rivets our attention upon God. And not just speaking Godwardly, but acting and thinking the same way. 
in verse 17, it says, To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. This sets us up for chapter 2 and Nebuchadnezzar's dream that we'll look at together next week. But don't miss the emphasis about how Daniel had this ability. It wasn't that he was just a sharp, erudite mind. It was that God, it says in verse 17, gave to Daniel. And so principle number five about practicing spiritual revolt, a revolt begins to take, go to new heights when number five, you realize that you're a recipient of God's grace. You know, the, re- the receiver of a gift should not get the glory. It's the giver that gets the glory. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am because the giver gets the glory. That's why he asked the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what did you have that you did not receive? They were acting as if though they had earned all the spiritual benefits they had, but they were mere recipients and the giver gets the glory. And this morning, as we seek to practice spiritual revolt from our temptations in our heart and the lies of this world, I pray you'd be shored up with inner courage by this example of Daniel. As we now reflect on this passage and enter into a time of response and prayer, I'd like us to bow together, and as we're bowed before him, what will your response be to him today? Maybe as you've reflected on this passage and maybe heard the the testimony and songs of our friends from Jacksonville here today, you've been thinking about God's goodness in your life and your need to place your faith in Christ. And maybe you've never come to the place in your spiritual journey where you've trusted Him for salvation and turned from sin. And Today we want to give you the opportunity to do that, to say I'm ready to commit my life to Christ. We had a gentleman came last week in our early service and said I'm ready to trust Christ in my life. Maybe that's you today. And when we pray in a moment and begin standing and singing, we invite you to come forward. Living Lord, have your own way. I pray for our young people today that as they may face pressures that are culturally similar to what Daniel faced, that you would strengthen them, God. For all of us, we ask for that grace to practice spiritual revolt. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' mighty name.